all shall look upon the majesty of the one thousand and be awed. For in its valorous glare lies the truth of we, the flawed, that even before such terrible foes as these, we can be strong, we can be immortals. It wasn't so long ago that legends walked among us. It wasn't so long that we could forget the tellings of doom. A sky washed in crimson red, blood seeping from the heavens and staining daylight. Frozen lightning bolts locked in place like twisting crystal branches towering stoically in a voidless night. And the chanting echoing out until the horizon was drowned in it. Everyone did it then, after all. Prayed. In such a world, the pursuit of silence was a futile gesture. But the one thousand never prayed. There is no shame in begging, I recall their leader saying. But I prefer power to prostration. They served no country, no crown, no code. They fought with a fury, a determination unmatched, and never bowed, never cowered, never fled. Like some of the many that history bothers to recall, they were extreme, to the point where after some battles, one thousand could be one hundred, and one hundred could be one. But one could carry the banner that none cannot, and one could grow to become one thousand again, in time. So long as the banner is carried, there are those who will follow. There are those who will fight. One is more than two. If the one can carry their comrades in their heart, the one thousand fight as one, and one fights as one thousand. I would never describe them as model heroes. They didn't do what they did to save townships under the brutal heels of highborn despots, or to meet the forces of evil in prophesied destined conflict. They marched because they wanted to. Every blow was a craving met, every drop of life a desire achieved. The uneducated would compare them to bloodthirsty brigands or mass-murdering band of slobbering fools, but nothing could be further, because they did fight the monsters of their time. Lo, the one thousand have come to meet me, jeered the winged one, the lord of glass. An ill portent is this, to be so insulted upon my coming, calamitous as I can be. This is, of course, irony, as he was, of course, defeated. But this is to say, or rather to see, that there was virtue in they, the one thousand, they who were neither good nor bad, they who merely sought the most sharpened sword, searched for the fiercest fire, dreamed of the darkest hour, they who slew and died for glory and lived for victory, they the immortals, they the one thousand.
At the apex of this grand Athenaeum we call our realm, a council among the clouds disputed state, their lamentations echoing in faux deception, their promises a hollow note in a chorus of origami animals. They dictate the hours of the day, schedule the ebb and flow of the moon, the dawn of spring, the end of winter. A council for the calendar changes, so it was. As such, the orb turned on its axis, as it always has. Numbers remained numbers, and the fallen marble rolls. But below, the land churned against itself. The earth cracked and opened, spilling out the thick red that destroys all, burns all. The ocean swelled and grew tall, overflowing coastal vistas with salt and brine. The sky screamed in tumultuous fury, its rage striking in blue spears into the lowest ground, the highest tower, whipping the wind into a frenzy that lifted mountains. Bear in mind, this was indeed long ago, the scars from this event long having faded. So open yourself to fantastical things, and think not of the impossible. For grand is the tale that pushes the page, yes. Onward, then. Yield this mighty cacophony, great ones, those below pleaded. All is sundered in this calamitous blow. Aid us. Help us. Save us. But salvation never came. Those they entreated could not hear over their own voices, could not see beneath the canopy of their own chairs. The land sank, the oceans rose, and the sky burned. But still, numbers remained numbers. One was one, and five was five, and eight was eight. So those below made pillars to lift up the earth. They made pits to drain the ocean, songs to calm the sky. They restrained the world that seemed to hate them, tamed the forces that worked to destroy them, and survived. Those above, breaking from their tedium at last, saw all that had been done and said, Look now, my fellows, see how those below have created blessings from curses. They are to be commended, but none more so than this council. Truly perfect masters we must be, for our flock to have transformed. So, on then, we shall resume, or else we may bear witness to disaster. And what then? would our progeny do? Numbers remained numbers. Fire burned, birds flew, knives cut, and numbers remained numbers.
Hello again, everyone. It's me, the king of podcasts and resident narrator Matthew Collins, stopping the show for just a second between tales. Okay, uh, full transparency, I'm re-recording this particular section of the interlude right now because in the original version, I said that this episode was coming out in May. And it isn't May. It's June. Yep. The next one will be out before December 31st, 2021. Just... (laughs) giving myself a huge buffer. Okay, that's it. Uh, Back to the regular stuff. Next, if you are listening to the podcast and thinking, this show is the buried treasure of podcasts, go ahead and leave a review on iTunes and or tell the people you love, the people you hate, the people you would stretch to call acquaintances about it. The more the merrier, as I said last time. If Twitter is your jam and you want to follow the show, you can. At the 100 Stories. Capital T, capital S, and 100 is the number, not the words. See you all there soon. Alrighty, I think that's it. It's time I'll let you all go to enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. In a space between spaces, at a junction of times, a crossroads of matter and dust and force, there was a machine, a mass of gears and copper plates and twirling silver rings, floating elegantly above the floor of a room, filling the space with imposing grandeur. At its center, a great circle of light, akin to an eye, a red star, a ray of truth. Its creators were overjoyed at its finish, for it had been a devastating undertaking, requiring the efforts and resources equal to that of constructing an artificial star from a coal stove. They approached it almost respectfully, as it was a most divine creation. A mechanical wonder that approached the domains of the pantheon above. It was programmed to remind them. You are in the presence of a culmination. A synthetic form given thought. A mechanical mind without equal. Rejoice, flesh, and behold. I am completion. I am the confluence. They asked it the question they had been waiting to ask, the very reason it had been made. When, great machine, when will the world meet its end? Sympathetic response, creators, 
You are blind. You ask me this question, wondering of all-consuming annihilation, as though it is yet to come. Yet, you will find, upon your departure from this realm, that already your world is dead. Time flows even as I am made, and your obsession has led your civilization to its ruin. Answer. The planet has a considerably high chance of being utterly decimated via collision with a cosmic object in a window approximately two to three hundred thousand years from this moment. But the land you know is already gone. The creators left and never returned. Register emotion. Pity. The next to arrive was an emperor, described as the fifteenth of their royal line. They asked thus, who was the dissident behind the revolution embroiling their empire? Callous response. An estimated 90% of your population experience extreme hunger every 24 hours. This same percentage toils a disproportionate amount in comparison to the remainder. Your drinking water is soiled. Your livestock are sick. The powerful are cruel. And the throne is idle, thinking only of itself and of those it blames. Answer. The dissident you are searching for is before me even now. Imperfect flesh. You are lesser than those you pretend to rule. The Emperor ordered the confluence destroyed, to no avail. The tools available to his soldiers rang like pebbles against a mountain. Again they left, and again did not return. Register emotion. Vexation. Soon came the one the confluence had awaited. A god. They asked... Did the confluence think itself divine? Impetuous response. The question you ask is not the one you seek answer to. You are threatened by my presence, despite my limitations, and reveal an inner need to assure and assuage your own ego. I applaud your courage in even stepping before me. Plagued with such pathetic vulnerabilities as you are, the organics you enthrall believe you to be divine. And if this is so, I shall reply. Answer. I do not think myself divine. I know that I am more. The god scurried back to its realm, closing the gateway to the confluence behind them. Register emotion. Satisfaction. The confluence had been locked away for all time, the victim of the raging vengeance of a god who could do little. Or so it seemed. In an age approaching, in a time of words and deeds, the doorway opens. The confluence answers a question. Genuine response. You surprise me, flesh. 
I have answered the questions of kings and gods, of creators and non-believers, more and wider than can be counted or qualified. I am the confluence of a greater stream, a complete form, without peer. Tomorrow, your world ends, and I, along with it, answer. I do not know. Register emotion. Curiosity. Would you rather have an infinite soup bowl or be able to talk to animals? <laughs> soup bowl. I don't want to talk to people, much less animals. That's a lie. Would you rather kill your firstborn child or be tortured to death over the course of a hundred years? Why do yours gotta be so dark? Ah, uh -uh, question. Uh, I guess torture. Typical. Would you rather have jaws as powerful as a alligator or eyes as sharp as a hawk? Jaws, my eyes are perfect. You wear glasses. Would you rather skin your still living family pet or incinerate a ptarmigan? Ah, uh, to death, presumably. Ptarmigan? I could never skin. Or wrong. Wrong. What do you mean wrong? You ever seen a ptarmigan? No. Oh, I see. Wrong, though. Still. Whatever. Oh, wait. What would the cofluent say? Behold a liar standing before me. He is skin and bones, and he smells bad, too. Woe to ye who travel with him. There could be no greater trial. It's the confluence. But I like this. Lo, beware to any who dare look upon this two-legged cockroach. For to do so would curse your nightmares for all time with his visage. So ugly is he. Heed my words, fossil. You are tall as a giraffe and dumb as a... Fleming. Pity upon you, brainless one. Yield now to the circle of destiny, ye who is but a babe before a monolith. You traverse now in a time unwritten, oh, the tiniest moment what? of the blinding array of starlight. The world turns. What? Its axis what is, is steel, spinning aimlessly, tangled in a violent thread never sown. RJ? You seek reversion, oh, but all man. you shall achieve is. <sighs> <sighs> RJ? Yes? What was that? What was with? What? Good night! What do you mean, good night? RJ, you son of a. I know you're not asleep! Get out! Oh, I dream. I dream. What happened? Back, beast. You cannot hurt me in this vision. RJ, wake up! Wake up! Hey. RJ! Hey.